listening to a talk from City Church Leeds. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleeds.net. Good afternoon, my name is John, and um, I tell you what I'm going to do right off the bat here. I'm just going to say, where's Esther? Esther. And um, I'm going to give Esther a microphone if we can find it, please. Um, over the last, well, not quite the last 24 hours, between 3 p.m. yesterday afternoon and 3 p.m. today, uh, we had 24 hours of prayer going on in this building. Um, yeah. e Esther, together with others who organized that, Derek, was it? Where's Derek? Oh, he's downstairs. And I just want to say how brilliant that has been. Uh, and, yeah, come on. Uh, to know that prayer has been going on, and it, it really has been great, hasn't it? Those of you who've been able to come, it's been fantastic. Just the, the way in which, and I think, let's get this into our bloodstream, prayer actually changes the environment. Um, it just does. It's because that's how God wired the universe. So anyway, I'll stop blithering. Esther, please just give us a little bit of a feel for what's going on in the last 24 hours. Wow. Well, um, I think everyone will have uh, got something slightly different, everyone who's been involved. Um, but, but I'm just going to pick out a few, a few little things that were kind of significant to me. Um, firstly, just uh, when I mentioned to one of my best friends that um, at church was holding a 24-hour thing, she said all she could imagine was a load of people sat around in a room in a circle um, with their eyes closed and their heads bowed for 24 hours. And she said she couldn't imagine anything worse. Um, <laughs> praise oh, God, it wasn't like that at all. And I'm... <laughs> And I'm really glad, because I don't think I could have handled that. Um, but we've had an absolutely amazing um, dynamic time downstairs um, for the last 24 hours. Um, can you put your hand up if you've been involved? Yeah. Yeah, so we've had people kind of coming in and out on a bit of a tag team basis. And I'm sure there's some other people who aren't here today as well. Um, just coming downstairs and we've had some um, we were in the long room downstairs and we had some um, some creative worship um, had some music on um, had some um, suggestions of things to pray for around the room so things like praying for um, church leadership and unity for churches across Leeds and nationally um, and um, poverty and homelessness and uh, kids across the city um, so loads and loads of different things and um, basically it was just a free space for people to come and um, and just come and worship and pray and fellowship um, so, yeah, a few things that stuck out to me um, was, uh, firstly, I've written it on my hand, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I think uh, probably the guys who were involved like early morning, late at night, uh, over the last 24 hours, um, can probably uh, relate to this most. Um, having to get up and, and kind of be really, really shattered and bleary-eyed and come down to the church building to, um, to pray. Um, perhaps at four o'clock in the morning, wasn't really the first thing he wanted to be doing. <laughs> um, but the thing that stuck out for me was um, that um, about that was that, praise God, we can come to him however we're feeling. And um, whether you're tired or um, you're on top of the world um, or however you're feeling, whether you're, you're crying or laughing and um, whatever, God just wants to hear from you. Um, and, and I think like I've been through a bit of a, 
um, emotional roller coaster the last 24 hours, in honesty, um, just experiencing different things. Sometimes I've been crying, sometimes I've been laughing, sometimes I've been absolutely shattered. Um, sometimes I've had a, cu a cup of coffee and I've come in bouncing. Um, <laughs> so it's been, it's been kind of up and down, but praise God, like, it, he, it wasn't like, um, he wasn't interested when I was really tired or when I was crying or whatever. Um, he wanted to hear from me, whatever. And that's not, that's not just for 24 hour prayer, that's for every day. Um, so when we wake up in the morning and we feel horrible and we feel inadequate and we feel rubbish, um, whether we've had horrendous things going on in our lives, um, God wants to hear from us. Um, and if we feel absolutely fantastic and we're on top of the world and everything's going great, God wants to hear from us as well. Um, because it's not about, as I said, I think you probably saw in the little Facebook status I put up yesterday morning to like G everyone up. Um, it's not about how we feel um, um, because we're justified by grace and um, God covers everything. Um, good, good and bad. Um, and yeah, the other thing was, um, we've had loads of, um, people coming in and out and different types of people. Um, we had, the youngest was Christopher Jones. <laughs> um, hey. I won't, I won't mention who the oldest was, so I don't want to embarrass, but, <laughs> but we've had a really like wide range of people. We've had, um, students and families and couples and, um, yeah, all sorts, um, coming in and out. And it has been really, really dynamic and, um, and it's been quite kind of, um, uh, I think probably the most we had in at any point was the last hour when the Kellys and the Aries, the whole families joined us, which was absolutely brilliant. We had all the kids as well doing creative worship. It was amazing. Um, and um, just just that, um, especially that hour, actually, and a couple of hours before that as well, um, I really got a sense of um, of community um, and um, and how kind of being in that setting, sometimes on a, um, on a Sunday afternoon slash morning or whatever, maybe at life group as well, you don't always get much of a chance to like catch up with people and, um, and pray and things. Um, but I feel like um, the last 24 hours was a fantastic opportunity for us to pray, sometimes as a group, sometimes by ourselves, sometimes just as a pair, um, and just minister to individuals, um, but as a community as well. Um, which um, I've like, got loads from and gained loads from. Um, so, so yeah, and I think um, particularly at this time when um, City Church is obviously going through a bit of a transition stage and things are changing and perhaps aren't as settled as they have been, um, that sense of community and unity and togetherness um, and connectedness and belonging is so, so important. Um, and, and so I think um, for me, and I'm sure for others that are involved, that's been a real kind of encouragement and um, has strengthened that, that sense of community. Um, I think that's about it. But we've prayed for so many different things. Um, and if you if you want to kind of um, see what we've been looking at and what we've been praying about, um, you can go on the, the CCL uh, Facebook page or Twitter feed. And we've been documenting it quite well, haven't we? Like kind of keeping up. Um, we had the um, a little kind of status thing, like letting people know what we were praying for and sometimes who was in the building and how tired we were feeling and things. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want to um, just kind of get an idea of things that we prayed for, um, uh, have a look at that. Um, and hopefully we're going to do this again. I'd really like to. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, um, the Twitter thing is at 24 underscore hours underscore prayer because it's the only one left. And <laughs> um, but you can also find it through the, um, the CCL Facebook page. Great, thank you. Brilliant. You get the sense, don't you, that when we may have finished formally praying, that uh, God didn't. He's just kicked in. Um, today what we're going to do uh, is to look at a passage in Scripture where we meet Abraham for the first time. Uh, I'm going to go in a moment to Genesis 
11, the end of Genesis 11, and start at the beginning of, go into the beginning of chapter 12. And perhaps if you can just locate that, I'm going to say a few things before we get in there. Um, Strangely, I'd already prepared what it was I wanted to say today, and then, very annoying, I felt God kind of cut right across that and said, over here. So I'm going with something that's on my heart today um, that's come out of just spending time with this fellow. And I'm, I'm really going to ask you if you would really hang with me on this one because I believe that God wants to speak to us and he wants to speak to our heart, not just to our head. Um, it's also... I believe it's a word for us as a company of people. And I'm also aware that this afternoon, it's great to see uh, Lydia here and and the other guys who are visiting with us today. It's wonderful to have you here. And my prayer is that something out of this actually will minister to you folks as well. So bear with us in that. But um, yeah, you understand where where I'm coming from. Um, now over the, yeah, let me just, I, I, I want to give some context to this before I launch into the, the passage. Um, over these last few months, what we've done, uh, we've, we've introduced a lot of change. Uh, we're in the process of selling the building, although we still don't have uh, a moving date. Um, we changed the time when we meet. And now we've just changed it back again. Um, so as you were on that one, uh, we, we've changed the order of our uh, things as they go on in our meetings. We've given the musicians a break from leading for some of that time in worship. And understandably, uh, some folks have actually found that kind of collection of change quite disruptive. And we just want to recognize that as being a feature of change. Now, at the same time, people are telling us that they are not always clear about the vision or about the direction that we're taking, and so find it difficult to embrace the changes that are going on. Now, from where I'm standing, something is obviously uh, not connecting. So today, what I want to do is to address that by coming another way round. Why have I chosen Abraham to walk us through this? Fantastic, amazing character that we have in the Word, who lived, he was way, way, way ahead of his time, because he lived in something that we now, in one sense, take for granted under the New Covenant, but here he was, way, way back there, in the Old Testament. He was a pagan. He had, well, there was no Bible at that time. He had no kind of theological training. Um, He came from a culture that was absolutely soaked in idol worship. But then one day, God turned up and stood in front of him. And that experience in Abraham's life completely transformed him. Two things happened. One, he heard God's voice. He also 
got a revelation of God's nature. Can you imagine that? This man who'd come out of this completely alien background suddenly meets the living God. What an experience that must have been. And just as we were singing there, the more we see you, the more we love you. And from Abraham's point of view, he was suddenly captured by this revelation of the living God. And that, that combination of the voice of God and seeing God's nature did two things for Abraham. The voice of God produced in him a faith that charged his pilgrim spirit. From then on, he, he, he could not remain in what he was in. And his encounter with God produced in him a heart whose constant bent was now towards God. He was drawn because of a revelation that God had given him of himself. The pilgrim in him obeyed a call to go to a place with, without knowing exactly where he was going or what it was like. And the prophet in him all the time was looking and living for something greater still. Something that he could only dimly apprehend in his spirit, but which we know included you and me. What an incredible man. What an incredible experience this was. That God stepped into history and, and chose this man to, in some sense, to be our predecessor. To be somebody who we look to and who actually, whose DNA we carry. Amazing. So, <clears throat> I love this actually about him. They, they called him a Hebrew, which means one from beyond. And I like to think that uh, it wasn't just the beyond culture of his, his native Chaldea, but it was also the beyond culture of heaven that was born out of his having come face to face with God. So here, is, here was a man who suddenly he's living in two worlds. And as we, as we go into this afternoon, I want to ask you, as I've said, I want to ask you to, to listen with the ears of your heart as well as with your head. Um, it struck me that, that God has given us these two sets of receptors, hasn't he? That one, on the one hand, we have uh, our senses that God's given to us by which we interact with this, the natural world around us. That's where we get information about the world that we live in. But he's also given us a heart which is able to engage with the world of the Spirit. And right between those two things, between our senses and our spirit, stands our soul, our human soul. We have this capacity, don't we, for, for choice, for emotion, for intellect, for desire, for imagination. And actually, God has given us our soul to be able to live in and serve both of these two worlds. It's amazing. We're the only species on the planet 
that is equipped in that way. That's incredible, isn't it? So, I'm asking you to listen with your heart this afternoon. And <clears throat> just as a sort of side thought, if you like, um, it's important that we're careful what we worship because what we worship will determine whether or not this world of heaven is able to gain access, to gain entry as it was with Abraham and invade this earth that we inhabit. And it all comes down to what we worship. I'll just park that one as a side thought for you, but um, it's true. So, um, let's, ha let's have a read of Genesis 11. And um, there's, there's two things I'm going for uh, today. First, what I want to do is to try and make as plain as I can what it is that we see, what our purpose is, and how we're going to pursue it. And I, I do believe that that will actually call for a response from us. And the second thing, um, and we'll see whether or not we get to this, is to see how, as family, as God's people, uh, we've, we're his, his chosen means of actually achieving what it is that God is after. Mm, Selah. So on the one hand we have purpose, but also what is, how is God using us? So, um, let's read from, uh, let's see, chapter 11, verse 27. Uh, listen, are you with me so far? You're all very quiet, but, um, yeah, good. Stay with me, please. Genesis 11, and I'm going to read through to chapter 12 and verse 9. And, and I'm reading here from the uh, New American Standard. And I'm doing that for a reason. And it's because, having looked at some of the language, this is actually more faithful to the Hebrew than some of the other translations that we have. So that's my reason for doing it. Um, now... These are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The neighbor of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And Sarai was barren. She had no child. I'll stop there just for a minute. Now, Abraham had a dad and two brothers. And one of them dies in, the, in their homeland. Abraham gets married to Sarai. But his wife is unable to conceive. And I just want to lay this down right, right here, that you have in that little piece of the narrative the seed of something that is a key for us. And it's simply this, that our impossible is God's starting point. Sarai could not conceive, and yet God intended that she would be the mother of a nation. Brilliant, isn't it? Our impossible is God's starting point. 
Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. I'll underline that bit. In order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. I'm going to pause at that point. Um, confusingly, we've got these two places, or two names. Haran was one of Terah's sons, um, and it means mountaineer. I guess Chaldea was a place where there were mountains. But they go to a place called Haran, and it has a different meaning, which I'll come to in a minute. They set off for Canaan. Good. But they got as far as Haran. Bad. Haran, in the Hebrew, means parched, waterless. It was a dry and a thirsty place. Now we know that God had already spoken to Abraham in promise. We see it in Acts, in, sorry, in chapter 12 and verse 1, and we also see it in Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. He'd spoken in promise about the land that he had for them. But here was the, here was the thing. They had decided to settle. Why? I've no idea. But God had spoken to Abraham, or Abraham as he was then, back in the land of the Chaldeans, and said, I want you to go to this land that I'm promising to give you. So they set off, <clears throat> come to this other place, and they settle. Let's read on. Now the Lord, this is chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abram, and that's the actual Hebrew. Some of you have got a different, slightly different translation, but it is past tense. The Lord had said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God made a bunch of absolutely mind-blowing promises to Abraham. But in order for them to be fulfilled, notice this, they required that he leave three things. Number one, leave your country, the place of idolatry and self-worship. Number two, your people, their pagan culture and their values. Number three, your father's household. He obeyed the first two, but not the last. And he ended up parked in a land where there was no water. You notice, as we read on, they only leave Haran after Terah dies. 
There was something that God had that he wanted to establish in Abraham's life that required that he leave all that stuff behind. Why was that third issue so important? He had to make the break because God's plan was to start with a new family, a family of faith, a family through whom all the other families on earth were going to be blessed. And God required something completely new. Just one, again, one little side note here. If you go back to that list of promises, he says, I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. Have you notice that? That's covenant language. Do you remember when we talked about the covenant? That when we make covenant, it's a, your enemy becomes my enemy. Your friend, your ally, becomes my ally. And God, who intends to make covenant with Abraham, is already functioning covenantally towards him. Isn't that? It's beautiful. It's God's own nature. It, he can't help it. He only ever works out of his covenant nature. Anyway, I've, I've gone off the point, but... Let's go back. Verse 4. <clears throat> Things start to look up. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they'd accumulated, and the persons which they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants or to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Going back to verse 4. So Abraham went forth. He got the car moving again. He was reconnecting with the destiny that God had prepared for him. He put himself back in the way of what it was that God marvelously wanted to do through him and through, as we learn, his descendants, his offspring. Notice that when they set out, they knew where they were going. They knew they were going to Canaan. Uh, but they, had got, they didn't have a, a lonely planet guide. They got no... Uh, trip advisor or um, they didn't have a, a plan of occupation they were a family on pilgrimage notice this they had a physical space that they were to occupy and a divine commission to fulfill the physical space was Canaan and the commission was to bless all the families of the earth God knew God knew that he could trust them 
And I, I want you to catch this, please. God knew that he could trust them because Abraham was a man who had a face-to-face relationship with him, with God. Abraham was a man who was at home in the presence of God. And that place of presence in Abraham's life had birthed in him the heart of a worshipper. His heart, it was, it was magnetized, you know, like a compass. It always finds true north, doesn't it? The needle on the compass always finds true north. That's how it was with Abraham now. That his heart, it was magnetized like this compass needle towards God. So, in all his journeying and all his exploring, instinctively his heart was to call on the Lord. We saw it there, didn't we? That um, where he pitched his tent, um, God appeared to him. He makes another promise. He builds an altar. His heart is responding to God. He's he's there. He's in worship. He moves on. He's travelling around. He um, he sets up camp somewhere else and says there, verse 8, there he built an altar to the Lord. What did he do? Called on the name of the Lord. God's teaching us something about how how to enter the land. I want to just throw these two things out. One, presence. Two, worship. Now this is where I'm going to ask you to stick with me, please. Are we, we all right so far? Are we... We've, yeah, is this good? Okay. So, what's the point? <laughs> In our terms, Canaan equals the kingdom. I'll say that again. Canaan equals the kingdom. The land of promise. It's the promise that God is holding out to us. He's not saying go and find it. He's saying, I've got it. I've prepared it for you. It's already there. I've given it to you. Now come and get it. Um, now this is going to go take some of us back a bit. I remember there was um, a delightful, delightful ministry. Um, a guy called Ern Baxter. Anybody remember Ern Baxter? Ern, fantastic, one of the, one of the, supreme prophetic teachers I have ever come across in my life. He had an ability to unpack the word but with a prophetic dimension that was just astounding. And I remember at Dale's Bible Week many years ago Ern unpacked this whole thing about Canaan and the kingdom. And he showed from the scripture how these two things uh, were a prophetic sign that's there in the scriptures for us. I'm talking now to us as the company of people here at City Church. In our history, the vision for this community has always been to be an instrument or an expression of the kingdom. And over time, we've been able to explore at least some of that. If you like, at at an individual level, to be um, disciples of the Christ. To be individually people who are yielded to Jesus. To people, be people who know what it is in life to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. We understood, and I'm going back a while now, we understood that this kingdom was to touch 
areas of life, things like family. For example, you know, the whole thing about mutual submission in the home. About finance, about what it means to, to give out of a, a heart given to, to sacrifice because of the Lord. To, to think about this kingdom extending into our work life, you know, we, we perform our daily work as to the Lord. It's an act of worship. In the, the life of the church, you know, things like um, God was restoring, God honoring praise. I'll tell you what, I'm hungry. I want to see that stuff. I want to see it a million percent. I am desperate to see these things come back, to be honest. So our vision for this community has always been to be an instrument or an expression of the kingdom. Our mission is exactly the same as Jesus himself. To seek the lost, to make disciples, to serve the poor, to bind up the broken, to release the captive, to heal the sick, to free the oppressed, to, to proclaim freedom in the name of Jesus. And to do all of that in, in the power and the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? This may be bitter news for some people who've not been around for so long as people like some of us here. But <clears throat> the strategy from day one of the founding of this company of people was to have a congregation in the city with multiple expressions in many locations of vibrant community life. Out working that mission that I've just been talking about in a heart which is steeped in covenant relationship, covenant with one another, covenant with the Lord. And I just, this is, this, somewhere, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we've settled for a hayram. Rather than pursue with all our heart our destiny. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm not dumping this on anybody. I'm just saying, it's just, I'm just saying, I believe it's where we've come to, but I believe the invitation of God is, there's a kingdom out there. Wherever we, wherever we are now, please, 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 I, don't, I don't want to dismiss the grace of God in any of our lives. I do not want to pretend that we have not had our breakthroughs. I do not want to pretend that uh, what's been taking place has been inauthentic. I do not want to dismiss, as I say, the grace of God. <clears throat> but I just want to ask, is, is anyone here who would actually agree with me that corporately things have felt a bit parched? Who'd agree that together we need to get the car moving? Yeah? Come on. Come on. God, I long for this. Honestly, it's my prayer. Now, uh, for some of us, um, we, do, we, we need to do business with the Lord. We need to agree with Him about stuff that we actually, He, he was asking us to leave behind. I'm going back to Abraham now. 
He said, leave, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's house. For some of us, there's stuff we need to say, be done with it. It doesn't belong where God's taking us. And the wonderful thing is, the grace of God is always, always present to enable us to do it. So for us as a company, I believe that we need to determine to get out of Haran, fix our sights on the land that God has called us to. And that's going to involve, um, I'm going to bring this word in, repentance. Uh, repentance is a beautiful thing because it leads, it leads to restoration. If you remember um, John the Baptist in Matthew 3, verse 3 I think it is, 2 or 3, um, he appears on the scene saying, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. And then Matthew relates it back to that passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 40. A voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the, the highway, you know, bring down the mountains, lift up the valleys, fill, the, fill in the potholes. If you were to travel down our street, you'd know what I'm talking about. But the bit that Matthew's referencing in, in Isaiah goes on to say that the glory of the Lord may appear and all the world will know. The purpose of John's baptism was, as he said, a baptism of repentance. It was to prepare the way. It was to open up the way for the Christ. And I'm saying today, I believe we just need to just agree with God and say, God, where we've come to, this ain't it. And we're, we together are actually getting this car in motion. We're turning away from stuff that didn't help us. And we're going to take hold of what it is that you've got. So, in a moment, um, we're going to just share bread and wine together. What I'd like us to do is, I'd like us to take the opportunity um, I say to repent, just to, just to, you know, let's get clear thinking. Let's just say, and uh, in your own heart, you know where you're at. But together, actually, I think what we do is we share a responsibility. We, we actually can say on behalf of the family here, yeah, we're going in a different direction. We're going to bring this thing around. So, as we break bread. It may be that for some of you individually, you've got some of that stuff you know you need just to, to deal with. Um, the Bible says this, doesn't it? Um, you know, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. God's, God's so good. I'd like us to agree as we break bread together that maybe we parked up the car too soon. But actually what we're going to do is going to get us moving. And from here on, we are not going to settle. Does anybody agree with me? Yeah? Praise God. Praise God. There's, there's more good stuff coming after this, but I think it would be great for us just to break bread together now. Don't you? Can I just call us all back into one focus here? Just as we were breaking bread there, um, I was reminded about this scripture. We often associate, don't we, the 
um, the offering of Jesus on the cross with forgiveness. Um, but I just want to draw this to your attention. It's in Galatians 3 and it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, speaking about his death. In order that, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He became a curse so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? There's another scripture, isn't there, in Romans 14, where it says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. God is calling us to be a people of the Spirit to live there constantly. Now I said there's a little bit, there was a little bit more to come. Remember we talked about this family, this household that were on pilgrimage, that um, they had a physical space that they were going to come into and they also had a divine commission which was to be a blessing to all the families on earth. Well, here we go. This is us. God has said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And I'll do it through a house that has these two characteristics where the presence of God is the norm and where we learn to worship. Where we, look, we worship, we learn to call on God. And when the root map is not so detailed, it's not so finely clear, we still worship. We still live in the presence. And God will lead us. I am confident that God will lead us. And in the process, we will discover more of what it is to live under the blessing of God and not to hold on to it, but to give it away because there's a world that so longs for what we've got. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Praise God.